Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you tonight about how to pray for America. I want to talk to you about the benefits of praying for our nation. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now and God, thank you that we can live in America today. I pray for healing in our land. I pray, God, that you would touch us, that you would help us, that you would strengthen every cast-down heart here tonight. I pray that hope would rise. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate the heart of God to this congregation tonight. God, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a couple of things with you, and at the end of each thing... We're going to pray together. So not only am I going to talk to you about how to pray for America, but after I talk to you about one of the things that we need to do, then we're going to do it. Is that okay? Are you guys up for praying for America tonight? You think we should pray for our nation? What did Jesus say? My house shall be called a A house of prayer. prayer. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says this. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So first of all, God's Word exhorts us that We are to pray for all men. That means all men and all women. So that means that we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. You need to pray for your brothers and sisters. Whether they're Republican, whether they're Democrat, whether they're independent, whether they're no party whatsoever, we need to be praying for one another. We don't don't need to let that divisive spirit that is in our country in election time come into the church and split us and divide us one from another. We need to be praying for one another and encouraging one another and helping one another and strengthening one another. I'm going to be very... I I haven't said anything about the election because I didn't want to say anything before there was any voting because I didn't want to influence anything too much one way or the other. But there's something that I want to say as your pastor. And I'm going to be very, very blunt... And very honest because it's my responsibility as your spiritual leader. And your, I can say things as your pastor that other people can't get in this pulpit and say because they don't have the right. But I have the right because I'm your spiritual father. I want you to understand some of the things that I have seen that some of y'all have put on social media was very disappointing to me as your pastor. The way you conducted yourself, the way you said some of the things that you said, the assault against people. Some people don't understand that there are people on the other side of those attacks that are experiencing very real pain. So here's what I want to tell you. I couldn't say anything before the election, but here's what I want to tell you, okay? The next time the election season rolls around, I want you to remember that you're not just attacking ideas, you're attacking people. And make sure that when you do it, you get the point across, but you do it in kindness and love and consideration. Because the Bible still says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32 that we are to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. 
So the Bible tells us here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, that we are to pray for one another. If we prayed for one another as much as we attack one another, what do you think would happen? What if the attention was put on the church in prayer towards revival that God's children put on getting the person they wanted elected on? What if we blew Facebook up about God send a move of God? God send revival? What if we did that? So here's what I want to tell you. Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, whatever that other stuff, all the social media, LinkedIn and all of those things, make sure that you use them for the glory of God and the encouragement of others. Don't ever use them as a weapon to try to tear down, destroy, degrade, or rip someone else apart. I think there's a whole lot of people that's going to be answering to God for some of the things they put on there. There are two reasons that you need to be on there. Number one, you need to be on there to encourage and to love one another. And number two, give information about pertinent things that you think is important. But you are never to use the social media platform to try to destroy and degrade someone else or tear them down. Come on, clap your hands. This is good preaching. Okay. Number two, and I know, I'm saying this right after an election season. There's a whole lot of that going on. But So number two, so we're supposed to pray for one another, strengthen one another, encourage one another. Number two, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to pray for kings and those that are in authority. So no matter if your guy or gal won or not, whoever it was, we have a president-elect that's going to be sworn into office January the 20th, and his name is Donald J. Trump. Now, whether you voted for him or whether you voted against him or whether you voted against Hillary or against Trump by voting for the other or whether you voted for Gary Johnson or whoever it is, the bottom line is the decision has been made and we have a moral and spiritual responsibility as God's children to, to call that person's name. And when I say that person, I'm talking about Donald J. Trump and Mike Pence out to God in prayer every single day and ask God to guide them and to lead them in the way that they should go. Listen, you might not be satisfied with the way things turned out, but there's nothing you can do about that now. You exercised your right to vote. There's nothing you can do about that in this realm. But you can hit your knees. And you can pray that God turns their heart. That God changes their heart. That they come into a full relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're supposed to pray for them. And the Bible said we're supposed to pray for kings and for all of them that are in authority. And then here's what the Bible says. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Praying for our nation is not a suggestion from God, it's a command from God. So we are commanded by God to pray for our nation. We are standing right now on the precipice of a great divide and we need unity in this nation. As Christians, sometimes the interpretations of values divide us. Sometimes our faith divides us. Some people are Baptist, some people are Catholic, some people are Pentecostal, some people are, and I'm talking about the Christian because we are in a Christian nation. 
I, I, I dare anyone to say we're not in a Christian nation. We are still in a Christian nation. Our personal worldview sometimes divides us, but we are united. Listen to this. We're united in our love for our country and its need for the intervention of God in the affairs of men. And the only way that God works is by invitation. I'm going to say that again. The only way that God works is by invitation. So we have the moral and the spiritual responsibility to invite God to get involved in the affairs of man in our nation. And as we do it, we pray for quietness and we pray for peace. How do we do that? We pray against conflict and we pray against violence. So let's do it right now. Come on, grab the hand of the person beside you. Come on, let's do this. Let's pray for all men. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for kings and for those that are in authority. Let's pray that we will lead a peaceable and quiet life in godliness and honesty. Father, right now, come on, lift your voices, not just me. Lift your voices. Father, we pray for our nation right now. God, we pray for the citizens of America. Father God, I pray that you would bring unity back into this country. Father God, I pray that you would bring unity, unite us together, Lord, under the common cause of of peace, Father. That we would live a peaceable and a quiet life. Father, that our nation would become a godly nation once again. That we would operate in honesty, that we would operate in integrity. Father, I pray now for President Obama and Father, I pray for Joe Biden, God, that are still presidents until January the 20th. Father, I pray for them that you would guide their thoughts, that you would guide them in the midst of this transition, that you would let that, that hurt feelings would not get in the way of the peaceful transition of power. And Father, I pray for President-elect Trump and, and President, Vice President-elect Pence. Father, I pray, God, that you would be with them as they structure and coordinate and put together the coalition to help move us forward, God. Father, may you be in the mix of everything that happens. Father, that we would work towards peace, that we would work towards prosperity, that we would work towards godliness, that we would work towards honesty, that we would work towards integrity. Come on, church. I feel like I'm the only one praying. Father, that we would do this. Come on. God, that we would do it. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Now, Father, I pray for every single person that's in authority. God, those that will be appointed to positions. God, that you would give them wisdom. God, that you would guide them. God, that you would direct them, Lord. Lord, that they would sense the unseen force of heaven's hand in the affairs of every day. Father, as they guide and work at the helm of this nation, thank you, God, that we still have the privilege to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I thank you for America, God. Hallelujah. In God, we do still trust. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. 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 The second thing I want to talk to you about tonight is this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, we have to bring that scripture out when we're talking about praying for the nation. The Bible says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, 
seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That's a promise from God. I said, that's a promise from God. Here's what the Bible says, of my people which are called by my name, touch your neighbor and say, that's you. You're called by the name of Jesus. Where do you think the name Christian came from? The Bible said they were first called Christians at Antioch. That's in the book of Acts. Why were they called Christians? Because they were Christ followers. So they probably called them Christians. We are called by His name. The Bible said that He calls us by His name. So when it says, if my people which are called by my name, that's talking about us, that's talking about you, that's talking about me, will humble themselves... Humble themselves. What does that mean? That means that I don't think of myself more highly than I ought to think. But I think soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That means that I make myself available for God to move through, on and through and in and and upon other people. That means that I surrender. I live a life of surrender to my heavenly Father. I was telling one of my kids just yesterday, they were talking about a few things that was going on and I told them, I said, Honey, I said, God requires that we live a life of surrender. Sometimes things can't always be like they want them to be, like we want them to be. Sometimes things don't come out the way that we want them to come out. Sometimes the... the so, well, just let me say it like this. We got to surrender to God. We have to live a life of submission and be surrendered to the Lord. So the Bible says that we need to humble ourselves and then we need to pray. Prayer is communication with God. It's conversation back and forth with God. And then the Bible said, seek my face. So this isn't talking about just any old kind of prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep prayer. This is talking about passionate prayers, seeking the face of God, trying to get in the presence of God and gain His countenance. Tommy Tenney wrote a book years ago called God Chasers. And the premise of that book was this. The church has, the Christians have been trying to seek His hand too much. We need to quit seeking His hand, what He can do for us, and start seeking His face to just gain His attention in our life. And I think that's very important. We need to seek the face of God. If we want God to move on our nation, if we want God to heal our land, we need to seek gain and grab the attention of God. And then here's what the Bible says. After you've done that, then you've got to turn from your wicked ways. Listen, there's a whole lot of people. They'll come to church sometimes on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, but most of the time on Sunday morning because, you know, some, the crowd on Sunday morning is a lot larger than Wednesday night. And they'll come to church on Sunday morning and, and they'll kind of come with the attitude, whoa, this is going to be a good service. I've come to kind of just get whatever I can get from the Lord. Well, listen, we got to get to the point where we got to move past the emotion of, of living for God we got to get to the point where we move past emotion into commitment. And we say, God, I commit myself to your way. I commit to a life of holiness. I commit to a life of submission. I commit, Lord, to casting aside every weight and sin that does so easily to beset me. And I run with patience, God, the race that is set before me. And so we turn from our wicked ways. So what does that mean? Well, ask yourself, do my morals and do my values line up with the Word of God? What about the way that I present myself? How do I dress? How do I act in public? Am I doing things that are seductive? Come on, I'm preaching things that aren't politically correct but biblically accurate. 
So I, do I dress and conduct myself in a way that is seductive that would cause other people to sin? Am I very materialistic in nature? In other words, does the acquisition of things mean more to me than gaining the presence of God and the power of God at work in my life every single day? Listen, you can't take your material things to heaven with you. There's nothing wrong with having them. I've taught you that. The Bible wants us to prosper and be in health and have the blessing of the Lord upon our life. But a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. And so God's after our heart, not after our stuff. However, if He gets our heart, He still gets our stuff. Does that make sense? What about purity? What about a life of holiness? What about respecting the elderly? What about respecting those that are, have dis- disabled challenges? What about, what about that? What about... Standing up for Jesus in an environment and in a culture which is more open to accepting other faiths than they are Jesus Christ. What about saying, you know what, I'm a Christian and I'm going to let my voice be heard. So we need to pray. We need to pray. Turn from our wicked ways. And then, here's what we need to do. We need to pray that God will forgive our sins and heal our land. The problem with America today, listen to me, is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. I said the problem with America today is not unanswered prayer, church. It's unoffered prayer. So for the last six minutes, I've been talking to you about 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. Are you ready to pray? We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God. We're going to say, Lord, help me to be humble before you. We're going to ask Him to teach us to seek His face. Is that okay? For our nation, because of our nation. And then we're going to repent of the wicked ways that we have been involved in in our nation. Can I get a little bit bold here? We need to repent for all the babies that have been aborted. Oh, you're saying that just because you're a Christian and and you just have strong... You just have strong... Listen, that is a biblical view. Abortion is murder, church. It's murder. It's the killing of unborn babies. And, And this is not political for me. This has nothing to do with whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican. Murder is murder. And nobody... They'll say, well, I have the right to do what I want to with my body. It's not your body. It's the life of another person's body that God has given you the opportunity to let grow inside. So we need to pray and ask God to forgive us for making it easy in this nation for little babies to be slain. We need to hear from heaven and ask God to forgive our sins and heal our land. Come on, let's pray. Come on, grab the hand of the person beside you. Hallelujah. I'll kind of guide you, all right? Let's pray about humility. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to walk in humility. Come on, just cry out to God. Lord, make it personal. Father, help me, Lord, to be humble. Lord, help me to be surrendered, Lord. Help me to be submitted to you, Heavenly Father. 
Hallelujah. Father, help me to never think of myself more highly than all to think. But Father, I pray that I would just get lost in your shadow. God, that people would see you. Father, that they would see you, that you would receive the glory, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to pray more, that you would help us to seek your face more, that we could gaze upon your countenance, that we could have your attention, oh God. I pray as a nation, God, that you would turn your face back towards America today. God, that you would turn your face back to us today, Father. Father, I, I, I repent, Father. We repent together corporately from our wicked ways from the bad morals that we have had as a nation, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us back to a life of purity and godliness and, and holiness, Father, that we would not be so materialistic, Father, that, that we're not any good to our families. God, I pray that you would guide us and that you would direct us, that you would help us be holy. Lord, I pray, Lord, we repent and ask God that you would forgive us, Lord, for the slaying of unborn babies. God, I pray, God, that you would forgive this nation for that, Father. Now, Father, I pray that you would forgive the church for being too silent. That you would forgive us for not standing up and letting your voice be heard. Father, I pray that you would guide us, Lord. And when we stand up, Father, that we would not be offensive to people, but, we'd be, but we would be offensive to the sin. Father, that you would give us the influence that is necessary, God, to get your God's agenda back on the agenda of our nation. And Father, I pray, Lord, now, God, that you would heal our land. Come on, church. God, I pray that you would heal our land. Oh, God, heal our land from sea to shining sea, from border to border and all around this great nation. God, heal our land. Heal it of the divisiveness, Father. Heal it of the pain, Father. Father, I pray that you would heal it, Lord. I pray that in the places where there are poverty, that there would be abundance. Father, I, we come against violence. We take authority over corruption in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that you would heal us. Father, that we would, know, that we would no longer be corrupt, that we would no longer be violent. Come on, church. Come on, pray. Heal us, God. Heal us, God. Heal our land, oh God. Heal our land, we pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The third thing that I want to talk to you about tonight is that we need to pray t that we hear God's voice and become more aware of spiritual things in America today. In Daniel chapter 9 verses 20 through 21, here's what the Bible says. Now while I was speaking... Praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice. This was Daniel praying for the nation of Israel. For the people of Israel. I want you to understand something about a nation. A nation is the people. A nation is the people. So when you pray for your nation, you're praying for the people of that nation. And so Daniel was praying. And Daniel confessed the sins of his nation. And as the result, God sent Gabriel to answer Daniel's prayer. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 5, Daniel, commit, Daniel confessed that... Israel had sinned and committed iniquity. 
So our prayer must include the confessing of our sins as a nation as follows. Number one, we should confess our sins. Number one, we should confess the sins of our forefathers. And number three, we should confess the sins of our nation. So number one, we need to confess our sins. In other words, we just need to confess our sins. Father, we confess our sins. We need to become more aware of spiritual things. We need to become aware of things that are offensive to God in our lives and in our nation. Why do we need to confess? Because confession is necessary before complete healing can take place. The admission of the guilt is the first step in the process of healing. If there's no confession of sin, there can be no healing. So when we pray and confess the sins of our nation, God reveals Himself to us in a new way. I put this down here. Sin is like rubbish that blocks the pipe and stops the flow of water. That's what sin is. So why should we, why should we pray then? Why should we do that? Why should we confess our sins? Because when we pray, God's judgment is delayed and sometimes withheld altogether. I said when we pray, God's judgment is delayed and sometimes withheld altogether. In Numbers chapter 16 verses 47 and 48, Then Aaron took the censer and ran into the midst of the congregation and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stopped. Incense is a type and a shadow of prayer. It was a form of prayer. Because of the sin of Israel, the judgment of God had started. This was not the dispensation of grace. This was the dispensation of law in the Old Testament. And so judgment had come upon the nation. The plague broke out and the Bible specifically tells us, if you just study, you can read it whatever translation you want to, but it all basically says the same thing. A plague broke out and people started dropping dead. Because they were under the law and they were offensive to God. The things they were doing was offensive to God. And Moses and Aaron got together and Aaron got in front of God. And God told him, he said, you got to take this incense out to the midst of the people. And he went out among the people and he made atonement for the people. That means that he prayed and offered sacrifice for the people. And the Bible said that when he got out there among the dead, he stood between the dead and the living and he prayed and cried out to God. And the plague was stopped. God, help me teach, preach this part right. America today is ripe for the judgment of God. We are. We've done so many things as a nation that's offensive to God. From getting prayer out of public schools. My goodness, I mean, some people say, well, I don't know what the big deal is about prayer in schools. You know, even when I was I remember when I was little, we would say the Lord's Prayer. We'd stand up. Now they're trying to take under God out of the, off, the, off the Pledge of Allegiance. Listen, until the day I die, I'll say under God. If, I, if I'm the only one in the room, I'll say under God. I'm not just stuck. I, it's in me. I, I realize, I believe this nation is one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm going to get real bold here. 
When we have NFL players that will not even stand, are you angry about this? Well, there's a side of me that's kind of angry about this, but I'm more grieved than angry because I realize that we have a problem in this nation. So we're ripe for the judgment of God, but God is merciful and patient and would rather give us a space to repent. Just because judgment has not completely fallen, I'll say it like that, just because judgment hasn't completely fallen doesn't mean we don't deserve it. God is a God of love and God is a God of grace and God is a God of patience and and God is tolerating this nation that has propagated the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. God is taking care of us because of how our forefathers treated God, not because of how we're treating God. We're living on the grace that God gave them. And if we want our children to be protected and we want our grandchildren to be protected and we want this nation to turn back to God, then it's going to start with us. We're going to start praying again. We have to pray for our nation every single day again. We're going to have to get on our face before God and cry out to God and ask God to turn the hearts of people and, and, and change our environment and change our culture and bring us back to repentance. Now, repentance is not weeping and wailing. Repentance is the admission of guilt and turning and walking in a completely different direction to derive a totally different outcome. That's what repentance is. And so we as God's children and God's people... Now, I've been in this thing for a long time. I'm getting close to 50 years old. I'm almost 49. Just a few more weeks. I know some of you say he's a baby, but I feel pretty old. That's why I moved to Florida, because they were calling me old in Kentucky. So I moved to Florida where all you guys can still call me young. (laughs) Mark Twain said he's moving to Florida before he dies because everybody lives 20 years longer down there. But I've been in this thing, I've served God my whole life. I've seen the church go through all kinds of cycles. I've seen this nation go from loving God and then going into moral depravity. And I see a generation now, I mean, when when you do the kind of work and the kind of ministry that I do, you you study the trends and you study demographics and you study, and listen, let me tell you something. The, The generation that's coming up from about 12, 13, 14 years old and down, they're called the homebound generation. And you know what they're saying about that generation? That generation is just done with moral depravity. They are done. They don't care if you've got bright lights and they don't care if you're doing all this fancy stuff in church. They want something that's real. They want something that's genuine. They want something that's not fake. You know something? Maybe I should have been born in their generation because that's the way I've been my whole life. The whole reason I didn't want to go on Christian television was because I can't stand the fake. I've been in the green rooms. I've listened to them talk about the ministry industry and it made me just want to go kick them in the seat of the pants frustrates me so I quit going to the green rooms I just show up for church I want God to move I really love God I really know Him I'm not playing games when it comes to God I'm not interested in that the generation that's coming up called the homebound generation they're saying 
that we're going to reap a harvest like the church has never reaped before because their hearts are towards something that is real and something that is authentic. Don't tell me about miracles. Show me a miracle. Don't tell me about a powerful God. Show me the powerful God. Don't get up there and try to preach some feel-good thing to me. You tell me the church and let tell me the truth and let me process the truth so the truth can work inside of me. Listen, as a church and as, as a Christian nation, we need to start praying that God continues to advance and change the environment of our nation and our culture and bring this nation back to repentance. Because I I am convinced that that generation is going to see a great awakening. I'm convinced that I'm going to be alive when it happens. But I'm also convinced that God wants to work right now. That He wants to move right now. And we as God's children and God's people have got to start praying and asking God, to delay his judgment and give us more time to repent and then get about the business of repenting. To delay the judgment of God. And we're going to pray here in just a couple of moments. But I want you to understand something. The prayers of a spirit-filled Christian are more powerful than you realize. In 1 Kings chapter 17 through verse 18, we find that the drought of rain was a result of Elijah's prayers. 1 Kings 18.45, now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind and there was a heavy rain. Why? Because Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain. And then he prayed that it would rain and it did rain. Why? Because God was honoring a man of God's prayer. 1 Kings 17, 1, no rain and do these years except at my word. 1 Kings 18, 41, there was the sound of the abundance of rain. And four verses later, the rain came. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that as spirit-filled Christians, our prayers are more powerful than we realize. Our prayers affect, our prayers can literally affect the moral outcome of this nation. If you have kids, you need to be the prayingest person in this room. Little kids all the way up to teenagers, you need to be praying. If you're not satisfied with the way your kids are turning out, pray for them. What about finding fault with them all the time? People all the time finding fault with their kids. We deal with it all the time. Have you ever prayed for your kids? I mean consistently. I'm not talking about every now and then. I'm not talking, Lord, Susie's got a headache. Would you take it away? No, I'm talking about slipping in their bedroom at the middle of the night and laying your hands on them. You have the right, you're the mama and the daddy, you know. I mean, you can lay your hands on their little head and you can begin to pray, Father, right, kneel beside their bed. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for Susie. God, I pray that you would guide her, that you would direct her, that her heart would be turned to you, God, that she would serve you all the days of her life. Oh God, reveal yourself. I'm trying to show you, teach you how to pray for your kids. God, reveal yourself to her, Lord. Reveal yourself to her. Make her strong in you, God. Give her an appetite to serve God. Give her a desire to serve God. Give her a hunger to serve God. Oh God, do that. You know, so many times people come to us and they want to find fault with their kids, but they've never prayed a prayer like that over their kids. I'll say it again. 
The problem with America is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. And so I want to lead you tonight in a prayer that we would start hearing as a nation God's voice and become more aware of spiritual things, that we as a church would become more God conscious, that we would become more aware of spiritual things. And I want to raise your awareness tonight to let you know that when you open your mouth to pray, that heaven stands at attention. It works. Prayer works. Prayer really does change things. Grab the hand of the person beside you right now. Come on. Let's all stand. This is the last prayer we're going to pray tonight. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your, lift your voices and begin to pray. First thing we're going to pray, we're going to pray that we would become more aware of spiritual things. Come on, let's begin to pray. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God, make us more aware of you. Make us more aware of your work. Make us more aware of spiritual things. God, help us realize that there's a lot more spiritual than what we realize. Come on, lift your voices and pray. Hallelujah. 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 God, make America more aware of spiritual things. God, I pray for global revival, but I pray for national revival, God. Hallelujah. God, give America an appetite for revival. Give America a desire to serve you, O God. Hallelujah. Now let's pray that God's judgment would be delayed and God would give us a space to repent, to extend that space. Father, we pray that your judgment is delayed. Hallelujah. Father, we receive that space to repent in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would cause us to turn and go after you, God, instead of away from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give us an appetite for revival. Give us a hunger for revival, God. A hunger for revival, God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I pray now over this congregation of people. I pray for everyone that calls Lakewood home, Lakewood Church of God home. Father, I pray for them right now, God, that you would put inside of them the desire to pray. The desire to pray, God, for their nation, for their family, for those that are in authority, for kings, Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to look forward to the times of prayer, God. Father, I pray that you would make us hungry for you, that you would make us hungry for a move of God, that you would make us hungry to see the supernatural power of God on display in our nation today. God, the kind of display that brings glory to you and points lost people to you. Father, we give you the praise for that, God. God, we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would anoint us with holy hunger now. Holy hunger, Father. Holy hunger for the move of God. Come on, church. Holy hunger. Holy hunger. Holy hunger for the move of God. Hallelujah. Holy hunger, God. Holy hunger, Lord. Lord, we don't have to understand everything that's going on because we're the just and the just live by faith. Hallelujah. But Father, we give ourselves to you to work in us and through us and around us. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. God bless America. Come on, sing this prayer. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the oceans to the prairies. Help me. Oceans wide with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my. Give God praise. Amen. I want to encourage you, when you go to bed tonight, pray for your country. When you get up in the morning, pray for your country. Throughout the day tomorrow, pray for your country. Just make it part of your life. All right? Make it part of your prayer. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.